on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bankroll. Can't fold, does a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Frisella, and this is the show for the realists. Say goodbye to the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality, guys. Today we have Andy and DJ cruise the motherfucking internet. And that's what we're going to do. And we also have an amazing guest here today, which I want to intro in just a second. But before I do, I wanted to uh, hit you with the housekeeping, okay? This is CTI. What we do here is we cruise the internet. That's what CTI stands for. We put up what's trending on the internet, the articles, the news. We speculate on what we think is true, what we think is not true. And then we talk about how we, the people, are the solution to these problems going on in the world. Other times you tune in, you're going to have different kinds of episodes. You're going to have on Mondays, Q&AF. That's where you could submit questions and I bring you the answers. Now, you could submit your questions one of a couple different ways. The first way is... Yeah, guys, email those questions in to askandy at andyforsella.com. Or you can go on YouTube on the uh, Q&AF episodes, which air on Monday, and you could drop your question in the comments. We'll pick some from there as well. Other times we have Real Talk. Real Talk is just five to 20 minutes of me giving you some real talk, things that I think will benefit you that need to be said and heard. Other times we have Full Length. That's where we get a unique guest, comes on the show, and we have a conversation, pretty much what you guys see on every other podcast that you've ever watched. And then we have 75 Hard Verses, and 75 Hard Verses is where someone, one of you, comes on the show who has completed 75 hard who uh talks about how their life was before usually a dumpster fire and how their life is after usually not a dumpster fire and how you can take your life from a dumpster fire to a not dumpster fire for free and you can get that program for free at episode 208 on the audio feed uh 75 hard is the world's most famous mental toughness uh discipline calibration program it is also the first phase of the entire live hard program and if you want to know what live hard's about it's a lifestyle program that helps you sharpen the spear so to speak so if you want to get that program it is free you can get it at episode 208 on audio feed now we do have this thing here it's called the fee you're going to hear us say pay the fee what that means is share the show all right one of the things about this show is i don't take ads for the show because i don't want to be told what i can and can't say or talk about Uh, In exchange for that, all I ask is that if you guys get real value out of the show, if you think what we're talking about needs to be heard, which uh, I think we can all agree that right now is a critical time where these messages need to be heard, all we ask is that you have a little courage and please share the show, all right? So uh, don't be a hoe. Share the show. All right. Now, we do have an amazing guest here today. Um, You guys, if if you haven't been living in a cave, you have heard of Five Finger Death Punch, and we have... Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch, who was just here in St. Louis doing a show, and he's uh, graciously come and blessed us with his presence on the show today. What's up, brother? <laughs> How are you guys? Good. We just had a hour conversation about jujitsu before. We probably should have done that on the show, and I kind of think, right. I think I'm going to start doing it now, yeah, man. Bro, I think listen, he sold me. We, we can repeat it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's roll. Yeah. So, brother. What um, you call it? Is that what you call him with that? Yeah, rolling. rolling. Yeah. All right. What do you want to? I told him when I went to go grab my office, I'm like, yeah, you ready to roll? I'm like, well, not that type of roll, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kick your ass. That's bro. what I'm saying. I'm like, roll, roll. <laughs> Let's go record. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Zoltan, everybody knows, you know, Five Finger Death Punch. You guys have been one of the most famous rock bands, metal bands in the history of the game. Um, but not everybody knows what a patriotic, you know, uh, anti communist activist that you are. Um, and I think that's cool, man. Cause you know, during this whole time 
for the last three or four years where we've been getting just hammered with this stuff, you know, you've been vocal and you've been standing out at a time where it's been very hard to be vocal and stand out, especially in the music industry. Uh, and first and foremost, before we even get the show going, I just wanted to say, bro, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up in that. Yeah. Know? So for me, it's not a, it's not a stasis. It's not a, a class in college. You know, I actually have been educated by communist professors within the communist system my basically my adult life i was i lived there until i was 21 years old so when when it's not just an idea it's not just something that remotely you learn about that you actually live it then you know then it's a then it's a whole different story you let's know, talk so. about that i mean yeah. what, what was that like so you know so basically basically the, the 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 whole idea there was the communism was about class wars right so so the so the whole idea is that, that they were trying to even the, the playing field, right? So, so they wanted that the worker class, that they call the worker class, the worker class would, would be in charge with pretty much everything. And, um, and they were trying to accomplish this through you know, socialism to communism to this utopia that we, they were, were trying to create. And you know, the idea is, is inherently faulty. So it was just a thesis. I mean, it, it started at, you know, earlier than Marx and Engels. So this, this is, that wasn't the beginning of this. And it started back in the days in the feudalistic systems where, you know, you were either born as a, as a noble and you had land and power or, or you were not and you could not have a vertical movement within, you know, the system. So understandably, the people would, you know, would uh, look at this, that we are, this is our fate, this is our future, this is our present, this is, this is it, right? And and that was a time when it started to develop and later on you know marx and engels were you know had the most the communist manifesto and you know the most famous work that we know today came from you know from them and um and they based an entire society on these 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 ideas that that's very questionable and i think didn't take in account evolution and human nature mm. you know and so there are just you know and so so we grew up in that that this was very real that you didn't have you didn't have our first amendment you know we couldn't just say whatever we wanted to say and what and, happened if you, you did know. well you know there's there's this really funny story i always tell people when when i was a little kid um there was a strike in america i think it was the maybe the transportation industry but but there was a massive strike and and so america's industry came to a screeching halt and you know we had one tv channel and started at noon and went until midnight you know that was that was it and it was mainly communist propaganda you know and um and so they were you know they were really happy about this situation and they were telling us like look the communist you know idea will win the the capitalist the bourgeois you know will collapse and look at the workers how they're rising up and you know and so even i was like seven eight years old and i'm looking you know I'm, I'm watching this and i kind of understand and reading between the lines and i looked at my dad and i'm like listen uh in america you can go out on the street and 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 say that you're not happy and you oppose the you know the the, the system and nobody shoots you mm. is that how because then i need to get the hell out of here yeah right so so you know like it's it's either you see that you know the object or it's shadows right and i even a young age i was always reading between the lines so I was very much against that, that whole idea, this equalization that they were trying to do, how they, everything was owned by the state. You couldn't, there was no 
private industry. So you couldn't really just, you know, here you can drop out of college and build your own future, right? You build your own companies. When everything is owned by the state, then they completely control that. You, everything is bureaucratic, so everything gonna be depend on how you, how well you did in school and what kind of paperwork you have, and that's it. And that's your future, and that's that's that, right? And there are these these very faulty ideas that if I give you the same tools, right? I give a couple of guys a hammer, right? Somebody gonna make a sculpture, and somebody's gonna be just bang around. So if you give the same tools to somebody, and it can be education, if I give you the same education, it, the the results is not gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. And because if that was true, then you know Jeff Bezos' classmates should be all billionaires. They got the same education. They they're not. They're mm-hmm. using the tools differently, right? And so this idea that that we're gonna you know we're gonna make equal opportunities and 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 this gonna have an equal result it's a it's a faulty untrue idea and that means this this differentiation the difference between the classes will still happen so if everybody got the same education but somebody's using those tools better they will pull away from pull away from the crowd right and that will create this this gap this this gap of of um basically wealth gap, right? Mm-hmm. Which they were against, right? So the only thing you could do is if you eliminate the possibility for anyone to pull away. So that means they, you know, they can't elevate the dumbasses basically. What they have to do is they have to chop down those who could succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's very unnatural. That's against evolution. That's against everything. You can't pull away. You, your your efforts are not rewarded. And you basically, you know, they basically just... Uh, uh, limit the pos- your possibilities and and what's going to happen is that you know that's human nature you want to succeed that's why evolution exists yeah right so once you take that away from people nobody was you know, nobody was doing anything because why total demoralization yeah you, absolutely right and so you know and and then and then just the basic ideas like the wealth is to a degree you know there you know obviously i could i could argue it for actually for both sides but you know but i want to if i want to stay with reality the wealth was sort of distributed already, right? Like some people already have stuff, houses, this and that, and some people are just starting their life right now. But that's the reality. We're going to compete and, you know, and we, again, by the point of evolution, and we're going to get where we get in life, depends mm-hmm. on our efforts, right? But if we wanted to equalize that, if somebody has a, a big house and somebody has a small house, how, how are you going to equalize that unless you take everything from the people, the state will own everything and redistribute. But if one house is big and the other one is small, how are you going to redistribute that? So you have to destroy it and rebuild. And you have to rebuild equal houses. Okay, let's go with that idea. Physical Every, destruction. Everybody going to get the same size yeah. house. All right, I want mine on the beach. Hmm. Now what? So geographically, you can't, you know, you can't equalize us because or I want to live on the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. Same size house, but... I just want mine on the top of the hill. Well, who gets that house, right? So you can't, you, it, this doesn't work, right? And so basically the result of, of, of this, you know, this whole system was that, I mean, every single one of those countries collapsed, like the last remaining ones like China and, and you know, and, and North Korea. But both economically and socially, all those countries, you know, collapsed. Yeah, it never made sense to me. Like it make, it only makes sense to people when you, try to sell it to people who have already bought into the idea of that they're not going to compete, right? Mm-hmm. They can't compete, they won't compete, 
for yes. whatever reason they're unable to compete those people will hear this idea and they say oh well this is great right let's take from those guys and we'll mm -hmm. redistribute right but but the other thing like if you look at it from the other side of the a coin you know, when you totally demoralize people with no upside and you rely on them to produce whatever it is that we need to live, eventually they're not going to produce it because they have no incentive to produce it. 100%. At all. And that's something that, you know, we see happening little by little by little. At least I see it here happening. Yeah. Well, it's not by accident, though. Yeah. No, it's, I agree. Know, it was a, this was an open conversation. I mean, like, look, if, if you say that, hey, take down the man, who, who would say that? Somebody would say that who never gonna have the ability or doesn't have the ability or the, the the trust in him or herself that i'm gonna be the man one day right mm -hmm. like that's the idea if you want to be in quote the man we all know what what i mean by that if, if you want to be a, a successful person somebody who would be against that is a person who don't believe that they can do right that, right and you know so the and also generally this is sold for the youth right because you know as long as you're in school you know, like high school or 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 college, right? Uh, at that point, you know, you never, you don't have property. You yeah, know, you don't you, have anything you don't, yet. You don't have anything yet. So at that time, it's a good idea. Like, let's take somebody else's stuff and give it to me, right? Once you are out there and working and and achieving something, and then somebody comes and trying to take it from you, that's gonna be a fight, right? right? So it's much easier to basically indoctrinate the youth. Because they don't, you know, they they've been told like, hey, you're gonna finish college and you're gonna owe all this money, and the man rigged the system, and you know, and you need to fight against it, and you know. And this is and, where we get these teachings like right. critical race theory, or mm -hmm. uh, these these teachings that teach these kids that they can't be successful because they were born a certain race. Right. The complete opposite of reality. Correct. Right. Yeah. right. Complete. Opposite. You're brainwashing them yeah. to be receptive to the ideas that that Zoltan's talking about here. But this hurts your personal development, hundred yeah. percent. This hurts, you know, it hurts your personal evolution, you know, and um, but. This was an open conversation. So this is kind of, you know, I saw some videos already. Um, some ex-KGB guy was talking about it, but that was never a secret. Like this was an open conversation in our society that, you know, the only way that uh, communism can be the dominant system if the whole world is communist, right? Mm -hmm. Because as long as you have something to compare it to, you're not going to accept it, right? Well, first and foremost, the, you know, what is the first rule of, of slavery? Right. The first rule of slavery that you have to, you know, what enables slavery is that I have to stop your ability to get away from me. That's number one. Because as long as you can get away from me, I can't enslave you. So what they did is they closed the borders. You mm -hmm. can escape those communist paradise, right? We Not the way leave. we want some closed borders. Right. We right. Leave, they did the other way. We, right. Yes. So you can leave, right? That's that's the requisite of you know the first requisite of slavery. So now you're gonna stay here and do this. Otherwise, everybody everybody would have escaped. If it's so great, then we would have stayed. But mm -hmm. you know nobody wanted to stay, obviously. And and so so basically the whole idea was there that you enslave nations, enslave countries, and force them to to do this right mm -hmm. and as long as i can see that there's an alternative then i don't want to stay here mm -hmm. and so they didn't want an alternative they want the whole world to be communist because you know i could see that we're driving around cars that are basically made of glue and paper and you know and sawdust like literally some 27 horsepower two-stroke engine ridiculous things that if you hit something you die <laughs> right? that's what we're driving and and you know and the neighboring countries have mercedes and bmw and a much better living and 
you know, and they see movies and all the stuff that we were, you know, we were the outside, you know, on the periphery. We were the poor kid looking into the restaurant mm -hmm. while, you know, people are eating. So we were aware of Western culture. We were just not part of it. Time stopped for us, right? And so if there's an alternative, we want to escape. And so they knew that. So they needed to make the whole world communist. So there is no alternative because otherwise you, you're just not going to accept it. Man, that makes a lot of sense. Right? And so, so because of this, it was an open conversation Fuck, about that's how to make the now. whole world communist. Right? So they poisoned the well. What, we, what we're seeing right now today in, in America, which is so crazy to me because I escaped this. Right. And I'm here I am dealing with this shit again. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, but, but it was an open conversation that, OK, the way to get the whole world to be communist is that we have to infiltrate the educational system of the West mm -hmm. because you can't sell this to adults. You have to sell this to, you know, to the, the youth. Right. So either turn professors and teachers, buy them or turn them into communists. Sure. And then in a couple of generations, this will automatically destroy itself because if that's what you were taught when you were told in in school that hey you, you know you the world is against you and you can't succeed on your own you'll never be the man the man already took everything from you and you know and you're gonna finish your school with all this debt and you don't have a chance and you need to take it back and you know what i mean then then that's your reality and so that's what's happening right now. And the craziest thing that in the meantime, communism collapsed in this country. So they poisoned the well, right? And so it plays itself out. So this is happening. This is this was implemented, you know, 40 years ago, right? And it's playing itself out while the very system that implemented it is not even existing. So it's really strange that those former communist countries are the ones that kicking and screaming and say, guys, stop, stop, stop on the brakes. We did this. Don't do it. You know, and nobody's listening and to nobody's them. listening. You know, yeah. like the Cubans, the Russians, the Hungarians, the Romanians, all of us who live this and, you know, and understand how big of a slippery soap this is, how easily that your rights are taken away and they're not coming back once they're taken away. How the First Amendment going away is, is the end of society. You know, you don't have anything to compare it to. I lived it. Mm -hmm. I know how it feels when there are there is no constitution. There's nothing to protect me. The government is basically army, police, you know, it's a police state, army and police, and the government is the same entity. There's nobody to complain to. There's no, you know, you, th that's it. You can't hire lawyers and sue the government. Are you kidding me? You just disappear. It was a very real thing. My parents were scared shitless, telling me all the time because, you know, I was a little rebel. Like, we're going to grow up and we're going to burn this to the ground. And they were like, Shut up, kid! We, you're gonna get us arrested. This was a real thing. Yeah, you know, like this. This. This was not a joke, and it. It was, you know, it was very dangerous to to people that just you know talk about openly their their disagreement. I kind of caught the end of this, but you know, I mean, my parents, my grandparents. I mean, it was embedded in them, and and to me, I was born into that era when it was changing, and I was there when it collapsed. So so watching that how. My, my parents and my grandparents were so beaten down that they couldn't even understand. When I said like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to be a rock musician, they looked at me like I was an alien, like, you're crazy, kid. You, you, there's a minefield between us and the West and there's no way you can get out of here and there's not a chance, you know, that you can do that. And there's no hope. Yeah. So, I mean, and they couldn't see that. They couldn't yeah. understand that because once your spirit is broken, you know. It's over. It's like, you know, that experiment, you put the fleas in a glass. 
right? And then you put a piece of paper in it, and then you're jumping and jumping, and they keep hitting the the, the cover, right? Mm-hmm. And after a while, you take off the paper, and they will never jump out. They got used to it that this is the height they that's can the jump. Limit. So that's that's kind of how it looks like. You, they broke your spirit, and you don't even think outside of the box, right? Once you were born into the system, you just accept it. Like, well, this is it. This is how it works, and this is it, right? How, how did you get out? So I was there when it was collapsing, and you know when when when. So I lived the communist era, mm-hmm. and then I lived the post-communist chaos where it was sort of a hybrid and turning into a, a, a semi-capitalist system. And you know basically what happened: all the people who were leaders in the communist system just snatched up all the factories, so now they own those factories and mm-hmm. banks and whatever, you know. So on the very beginning, that that's what was happening. We were getting passports finally, and and I was in the first wave of getting a passport, and you know, and to tell you the truth, when I came to America, man, I mean, the Statue of Liberty hit me hard when I saw that, like, man, because you know we were actually well educated. You know, education was even though it was somewhat a miseducation, but but it was available, and it you know so. So American history and what this country was based on, and you know, I, I had to learn that, right? And so, so the Statue of Liberty, I knew what it was and why it's there, and and it hit me hard. Like, man, I can't believe that I'm one of the people that's seeing this and hitting me emotionally. Like, man, yeah, I'm here now. No, nobody can tell me anymore what to say, what to think, what to do, and I have a, I have finally an open runway that I can accomplish. It's got to be a weird accomplish. feeling. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. And then, you know, and then once I was here, I'm like, man, I'm off to the running. It's, you know, sleeves rolled up and let's go, you know. And so, so that's why, you know, I always going to look at that flag and the the symbolism of America that I understand what it means. And I came here for that, right? You know, that American flag had a, a couple of meaning, you know, again, it's coming from somebody who grew up on the other side. You guys were the enemy in court. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody believed that. Only the politicians believe that, even if they did, or or maybe they had to paint the boogeyman so mm-hmm. so that the crowd would be you know um, controlled. Yeah, I mean, it's circuses, basic, you know, it's basic I mean? manipulation behavior, yeah, right? You, like you, when you, you know someone, when you know someone's going to expose you for what it is that you're doing. They're, you automatically start to paint right. them as the enemy, right? And that—I mean, that's—I know you that's, are. That's a, form, right, exactly. that's a form of crowd control, you know. Mm-hmm. When everybody's scared, like, "Oh, the Americans are coming," right? Then, then you know, then you're gonna accept the rule of the government because you have, you have this illusion that they're protecting you. That's you, what they're doing over there in North Korea now, right? And and so, but but I don't know anyone who believed that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as we were. You know, I grew up there, so we, we didn't believe that. That was we were aware of American culture, we were aware of the system, we were aware of you know the constitution and what it was, and you know, so none of us really believed that what they were telling us, and um, so so living without those rights and and coming here and and yes, of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it like you know, is is this system perfect? No, but at least it's an attempt. You know, it's an attempt. Everything else was sort of a either a totalitarian government or communism, socialism, right, or the remnants of of a feudalistic system or monarchy, right. And and this was the first attempt. Like, well, let's sit down and let's think about it. How are we going to create a society that's you know somewhat fair, mm. right? And so this was the closest and the best system to to that what we can call 
you know, free, right? And um, and so so the and so the symbolism, like like both as power. If if something had an American flag on it, like a building, a, a vehicle, anything, a T-shirt, everybody know. Don't fuck with it, man, mm-hmm. because because Americans will defend that. If you fuck with that flag or anything that is on and it represents, they will keep coming until they're winning. They, this is not going to stop. They will come and come and come until they win. Don't fuck with it. See what I mean? So that there was a reverence for that, you know? The same way, like, you know, in some to some degree, I mean, to make it balanced. Like, you know, the Russians always had this Mother Russia kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That they were willing to die for the country. Without a, a question. It's... You know, they, so so there was this reverence of, of that's Mother Russia. We're gonna die for that. Yeah. Right? So, but America had this this thing that well, um, what it represent? If don't fuck with them, you know, because they will not they they will not lose. America mm-hmm. can't lose a war, and they won't. That was always the the the, the vision yeah. of what it is and what it represent. Everybody wanted to come here. Why? Because we all understood that this is the freest society from the societies that exist. We want a piece of that, yeah. yeah. Oh, it makes complete sense. Like thinking about the flag, the flag is supposed to represent the people. So it's right. not the American government that's going to come get you. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking people. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense when you look at where we are as a society today and what they are trying to attack and dismantle and, and, it's an idea. and demoralize. It's the people. Separate right. us, divide us, get us pissed at each other, right? Like. Because to get, I mean, bro, I, mean, that, I think that's an important concept fuck, to continue man. to reiterate when it comes to that flag. You know, I saw some people on the internet talking about how we shouldn't even support the flag because that stands for the government that's corrupt. No, no, no motherfucker, that's our flag. That is our people's flag. It's always that been is that. us. That is us. That is not them. And, and just look at it this way: the danger of this. Like, you know, imagine if we can just, you know, and we can, in fact, we can roll out or 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 history in a in a linear manner, right? Like, if if we accept our civilization, when we can call it a civilization, let's say, you know, Mesopotamia, five six thousand years, but but let's let's make it ten, mm-hmm. as it ten thousand years of human history. Right? That's what they when tell we, us. We can call it yeah. civilization, right? That, at least what we know right now. Yeah, because, I say, that's what they tell again, us. <laughs> don't believe that the history books are not necessarily true. Everybody f- accept like, oh, history is fact because it's, it's in the past. No, who wrote the book? Mm. People who so, won. I mean, who wrote the book? Yeah, that's right. I can tell you right now. I can read uh, stories and events that happened in the communist system, right? In Wikipedia, that's 100% not true. I was there. I know. Right. You know what I mean? So, so the history books are, you know, <laughs> questionable. But let's say... 10,000 years. Arguments say 10,000 years. Let's say 10,000 years. Okay. In this 10,000 years, right, you're going to isolate this, you know, almost 300 years low, you know, segment that will be that a tiny percent of this, right, where there was a democratic, somewhat democratic free society, right? Everything else was, you know, pretty much monarchy, kingdom, feudalistic systems, right? So... So these were kings and queens all the way, or dictators. Mm. And you look at this entire line of history, and there is boom. There is a low spike of, of there's a free society of the democracy, democracy. there's a, a, a moment of freedom, which is we living right now. If this disappears, right, and we go back to what it was for the majority of our history, it will be just a bump in because you can you can find a bump like okay there was a moment in Greece there was kind of a 
democratic society mm-hmm. for like 40 years, 50 mm-hmm. years, right? So there are moments in history when there were free societies for, you know, but in the big picture, when you look at the whole line, right, it would be just just a little tiny, tiny, like, line. Like right here, there was a little bit of freedom, you know. So this is very real. You know, this is re- really very real that this can collapse and we can go back into a, a dictatorship or a this society and this system can be lost. Very this quickly. Is, this can be, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, look yeah, at history. Yeah. We, we, are, we are amazing not learning from history. Amazing at look at what happened before and completely ignore it, right? Like on every aspect of like, man, it's just, we, just, we just keep making this mistake. And, and so, you know, so this is something definitely to, to fight for because this can disappear. Yeah, man. Just look at the 10,000 years. This is, this is only 300 years, not even 300 years, you know, a little segment that somewhat of a free society. You can see it too. You can see why it's that way. Like when you watch the way that most people react to what's happening in the world right now and how they're kind of waiting around for someone to come fix it, you can see why for 10,000 years people have been ruled over by people who are willing to step up and rule. Right. You know? and It's human nature. It's it's in our fucking DNA. It is, dude. It's why there's some leaders and a whole bunch of followers. And the problem is is that, you know, the good people, people who have good intentions – they they don't want they don't necessarily want to lead like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when we talk about Sulla, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 first dictator of Rome. You know, this man was a soldier who was a common person who joined the Rome uh, army and went around on crusades for years and years and years, conquering land. Comes back and finds out that their government has been overthrown by some of the Senate and are total tyrants. Right? Then he uses his army kills those people and everybody sets everybody free and sets everything right and the people say hey you're a lifetime dictator of rome and he ruled for one year and then said no i'm i'm setting this right so that this can you guys can continue to be free and i'm going to go live my free life and those types of leaders are so rare because once you get a taste of control or power or wealth it, it can corrupt people almost instantly when they've never had it before. Right. And, and so dude, like we have to be very aware as, as a group, as a community, as, as a people. And this is not just in America, because like you said, this is, they're attempting to do this globally. And uh, well, I think what we're about to see is a war about this. And, and, and guys, unfortunately, I think we're on the wrong side of that war. Um, that's my opinion. But, uh, it's it's very dangerous, man, because we what we have here is special and what we have here is an anomaly. And if we don't have capable people to step up, and I don't mean just a few people, I mean the capable men in the household standing up and setting a standard in society that we are not gonna fuck with us, we will lose this. And this will this will fail. And disappear. Yeah, and your kids will be slaves. And they will be growing up exactly as you were talking, where there's no hope. There's, and, and their hope is to get a few generations deep so that they don't have to explain what freedom was anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, At that point, there'll be no other alternatives to see either. Dude, they want to erase it from the history, dude. Well, yeah. here, here's your big problem. I had a place to escape to. Right. Where are you going? Yeah. Where, where are we going to go? Where are you going to go? So if this is lost, it's, it's all is lost, right? And then what, what you were just saying, the interesting thing about that, what, what is a king, right? 
Um, if you want to be king, you're not you're not cut out to be a king That's because right. you want to be a yeah. king. A king is the servant of the people, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, so when it comes to comparing, you know, comparing uh, uh, systems, political, economical systems, you know, you have kingdoms and let's say they're totalitarian dictatorships like which communism was or democracies and, you know, uh, a corrupt democracy or a totalitarian communist system is actually worse than a kingdom with a just king that makes perfect sense to me so that's pretty sad yeah if you think about it yeah i mean if you have a just king who treats people fair and lets people be like if we had a dictator here in the united states quote unquote that let everybody be free and live their lives and build what they're going to build and and create situations where it's favorable for them is that not better than 600 people that are stealing all our tax dollars and making life miserable intentionally for their own greed? And and it shouldn't be, that's what I mean. Like it shouldn't be like, if, if you have to pick between these systems and you pick a kingdom that which is, you know, there's, you have a, an absolute power over the people, which, you know, right there, you know, that's, that's what the entire history rebelled against right mm-hmm. but when you when you started lean toward that because other systems are so corrupt that's pretty sad yeah right that's pretty sad yeah man that's crazy so dude just changing gears when did you start music so you know music is 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 something that i was always interested in obviously this is a calling kind mm-hmm. of you know i um my first guitar Right, that when I wanted to be a guitar player, so I, my first guitar was actually again communist system. I you know I couldn't afford one. My parents couldn't afford one, so I I made my first guitar out of my parents' coffee table. True story. Like I, I had a secondhand guitar that was a piece of crap, broken. You know the neck was good, and then some of the you know the machine heads were good, and um and I basically made a guitar out of my parents coffee table put it together and it was an unplayable piece of crap but <laughs> it was a guitar and i i copied uh it was a bc rich you know bc rich warlock shaped guitar that's what i you know that's why me that was my first guitar when i was 12. it was barely playable i mean imagine 12 years old kid making a guitar so it was it was a beauty but uh but that was my first guitar you know i always wanted to be a guitar player and um and i Obviously, I did a lot of other things. Like, I still interest. I have many, many interests, and I'm, you know, we talked about it. I'm doing a million things, but yeah, but, but, I was gonna be a scientist, right? So it's it's an interesting thing because, the in the communist systems, um, what what they had this idea that you know, like the utopia requires that everybody does what they would like to do in life or what they're good at, right? And again, the failure of that is like nobody's gonna you know, want to be um, a sanitary, uh, what is it? A, janitor. Yeah. A janitor or whatever, yeah. right? So so there's, so so when you look at it like, well, in utopia, we all will do what we're good at and what we would like to do. This is what was sold to them, to us, right? But yeah, but who wants to be the janitor, right? So whose dream is that, right? So, so but anyway, but they still, this was a system. So they came to the schools and then they would put you through all kinds of tests. And if you were physically strong, they would throw you in a school that was, you know, for athletes. And then, you know, and so they separate us. And and I was picked for a school that was advanced math, basically. So I went to a school and I had two, three math classes every day. So it was just, you know, jamming it down. 
And so I was going to be a scientist. I was, I was super interested in it. I'd worked in an observatorium by the time when I was 14. And, you know, Shit. and uh, so that was my jam. It was, you know, uh, I wanted to be an astrophysician, particle scientist. That was my, you know. And, um, but music was, to me, music was always interesting because I thought, well, I'm manipulating the source code, right? Everything is a vibration and everything is, is everything you see, everything, you know, it's all vibration. This is, this is like the, the spectrum of light, right? It's about, you know, that we, we have a spectrum that we can see, but it's, it's a waveform, right? Mm -hmm. And if you elevate this waveform, right, then that's radio waves and everything is waveform, right? Everything, everything that matter is basically waveform, right? And I thought, well, a musician is manipulating the source code, the waveforms. We are creating harmonies and melodies, you know? And so, so that was always, even as a scientifically attuned kid, I was always looking at music that way. So I was about 12 when I made the guitar, and then this, this was always a thing like, this is, I can't even explain why I had this, 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 um, this attraction to, to music. So it wasn't never like, oh, I'll be a rock star. You know what I mean? It was, it was, that, it was the music how you can you can create this piece of again it's a vibration harmonies and i can create these harmonies and these these we call them songs and music but these patterns right that i can change somebody's mood i can change your that your mm. how you feel physiologically yeah. how, so i can manipulate how you feel and what you think and 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 because if i say if i tell you a story right I can tell you a story and it changed your mind about certain things and you feel a certain way. That is not as serious as I play you a piece of music so actually change how you feel. Mm. So you're not intellectually coming to a conclusion. So if you intellectually came to a conclusion because I told you a story, that's one thing, but it's much deeper if I play the song and you actually feel a different way. That's so much more, so much deeper, right? And and I felt like that's 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 the real magic, you know, what musicians do. Um, imagine that, you know, I can play a song that's gonna make you feel like I'm gonna go to the gym and and mm -hmm. rip, or I can play a song that you're gonna feel melancholic about, you know. And as a songwriter, you know, just imagine this: I play a guitar riff just to make it into a, an actual example. I play a guitar riff and I put a drum beat to this guitar riff, right? And what I'm going to do in the drum beat, I'm going to make it, it's called shuffled, so that snare comes a little bit late. Not audible, really, but it's just a little bit late. It just feels late. Mm. So it's not obvious, but it feels late. And so that's going to create kind of this groovy, kind of just chilling, you know? And I'm going to give you this feeling of relaxation, like, oh, we're just chilling. That's just physiologically, you feel like, oh, yeah, we're jamming, you know, island music, or what, you know? Yeah. Now, same guitar riff, and I'm gonna quantize the drum so it comes exactly on the time it's supposed to be, right? You're gonna feel empowered. Oh, I'm going to the gym. Let's march. That's you know, wild. like it's, I'm feeling diesel, right? That's a feeling I gave you. Now, I'm gonna speed up the drum a little bit so the snare comes a little bit early, right? It's gonna, I give, I'm giving you a feeling of urgency and anxiety. And this is just a feeling. I didn't talk about, you know, minor chords that are generally sad, major chords that are happy, right? 
and the color and the tone of the music, right? These are just the basic physiological, physiological feelings I'm giving you with the music. And I still didn't put lyrics on top on it. That will also affect you. That's wild. Right? So I, so even <laughs> as a young kid, I understood that. Like, man, this is, this is incredible. It's an incredible tool of communication where, you know, when I can give you much more than just tell you a story, I can mm. make you feel my story. Like a classical songwriters, right? When, you know, when take Vivaldi, Four Seasons, mm -hmm. right? Famous piece. Okay, if I play it to you, 100% that you're going to be able to tell me which one is spring, which one is summer, you will know. How? Just How did it. you know? How did you feel that? That's to me magic, right? And so I always looked at it that way. And so these classical songwriters would write this music without vocalists, right? giving you a full story right and so like all these guys like the tchaikovsky's that you know if you, if you look at uh you know uh wagner right it's almost like a war music music right so what what's there how how do you how do you how how do you communicate this through music just music and that to me was magic so i i wanted to be a musician i wanted to be a person who can you know, paint a world for you and put you in a different mood and communicate stories. Because that's what this is so That's, so cool, that's what Bro, the I want you to just is. like can we just go in a room and just play me music, man? I just wanna right. <laughs> but, but <laughs> like it, you know what I'm think about the world. Like what is what is our world really about? Yeah. Uh, because because we have a very sophisticated and complex society, right? But really what this world is about, we're living all our lives around a fireplace that was replaced by a television set. But really what it is we're living around a fireplace and the elders telling you stories. What are movies? Those are the stories, but in a modern way. What is television? That is replaced the fire on the in the center, you know, mm. of the camp and you know, and telling you stories. Everything is about telling you stories and everything else we do is just because we have to feed ourselves, we have to feed our bodies, we have to survive, we have to defend and protect our, our lives, right? But really, everything revolves around the stories. This is the human story. That's what everything is about. And be part of that. Be able to give you stories in a sophisticated way when you're not just being told the story, but you feel it. That's music. Fuck, dude. That's so awesome. Joe's over there loving it. That is so cool, man. Well, fuck, we can just stop the show. Yeah, that's it yeah. right there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Man, I love that. So yeah, I do so, too. Yeah, so that's how I started. I was twelve, and you know, and then because I had so many interests, so many things that I wanted to do. Tell you the truth, that's my biggest problem in life. I don't have enough time, man. I need to read a thousand more books. You know, I need to learn a thousand more skills. It's like my biggest strife in life, dude. Hundred years is not enough for me. You can see mm -hmm. that in your life. You know, you can see that. I you could. I mean, look at you, dude. You you you're. Look what you guys have done with Five Finger. Look at what look look at what you've done with your education. Look at what you've done with your jujitsu. Right. You know, look like you have an. Ins it's very obvious. Like right away, I noticed this when we were talking before the show. I was thinking, I'm like, this dude is ravenous for skill set right. and learning. Right. Like that's with a sense of urgency. Yeah. Though. Right. Yeah. Just think about it. Like I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah, a little but, bit. But, yeah. <laughs> we have we have this limited time. It's yeah. like, this is the thing that pissing. We well, don't know when that clock expires either. Off, tell you the truth. Two things that pissing me off in the world. But yeah. because nothing pissed me off. 
unless other than these two things, right? Everything else is superficial. But these two things, I don't have enough time. Why am I limited to this 80 years, 100 years, whatever we can live? That's pissing me off. And the other thing that's pissing me off, that doesn't matter how, how far I educate myself, doesn't matter, I could you know, either go down on a scientific intellectual way or eat a pound of mushrooms, doesn't matter. I will never understand what the fuck is going on. What is this? <laughs> the universe itself. Infinity and and what's happening. Like it's, it's, you know, the human mind is not the device to deal with this. Like an ant will never drive on a, a, a car. Right? It's, you know, you know what I mean? Like we, mm -hmm. we are not, we are not evolutionally not there to even scratch the surface of of what's happening. What is this experience? We're, most we of us are, are not even aware of our own ignorance, right. man. Yes, and these these are the two things that just drives me crazy. And so basically, what I'm doing in life is like, okay, as many check marks I can, you know. So I have a, I would say, yeah, kind of a bucket list of of both, you know, materialistically in some way, intellectually, and 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 I guess achievement wise, like I want to achieve certain things, right? Yeah. Like we were talking about cars earlier, right? Yeah. Like, okay, we both have some cars. Yeah. We call like, you know, nice cars. And and even with that, like, okay, do I really need this? Right? Like, do I need a Ferrari to go to wherever? I don't. I can go to, I can go to, I can get a smart car and do whatever, you know. But but because when I was a kid, right, as a, as a kid, I looked at that and I wanted that, mm. right? Then when I look at those things, I'm like, okay, I believe in this thing called that. I call it the, the cycle of fulfillment, right? I dreamt that, that I want to be what I'm doing right now. I dreamt it. I wanted to do this. I have a band, tour the world, play music for millions of people, right? Or in materialistic way, I wanted certain things. I have to check that. I have to check market because what happens if you wanted, like, let's say, go back with the car. You wanted that car when you were a kid, right? As a kid, we want everything, right? So because at that point, when you're a kid, you don't have the the, the adulthood's seriousness and somberness didn't seep in yet, right? Like, oh, you can't have this, you can't have that. So as a kid, you dream all these things. And so in life, you're going toward it and you try to achieve these things. And there come there, there gonna be a moment in life when you could actually do that, right? If you worked hard and you you know you know you pushed yourself, you will probably get there, right? And there's that moment when oh, I could actually get that car, right, or whatever it is. And at that moment, as an adult, I have a million reasons to tell myself like, do I really need it? Is it a, you know what I mean? Is you know? But I'm gonna get it because then I checked market, so I didn't lie to the little kid that I was me. I didn't yeah, lie the, little, to the, the little kid's proud of you. Right. That yeah. little kid I was, I didn't lie to him. I yeah. said, we're going to get that. Yeah. So now I got it. But most importantly, what it did, I trained myself that the ridiculous and the impossible is in fact possible. Because, because your mind can't make the difference. Like if my whole life I worked for something or I wanted my jiu-jitsu black belt, I knew I'm going to be a black belt. It's not a question of, of if I will be. It's just a question of time because I'm not going to quit. Right. So that I know I'm going to get it. So... So anything that I, I, I ever wanted, I, I look at it in that way. If um, it was a ridiculous dream, according to my surroundings, right? And then eventually I get to the point I achieved it. I trained my mind that you believed in something that seemed ridiculous and you achieved it, right? Eventually it becomes automatic. So now 
you know, I look at anything in life and I think, oh, yeah, I can do that, whatever it is. Like, I, I don't have a self that because there were so many of these things that I achieved that normally people would tell me that, <laughs> no, no, that's not possible. Right. So that's why it's to me it's important. Like if I wanted that car, I'll get that car. Check. After that, I can sell it. But if I didn't get it, then what did my mind learn? My mind learned you dreamt it, you worked hard for it, and then there was a reason. Doesn't matter what reason, there was a reason that you didn't get it. Right? Was it a right reason, an intellectual reason? Like you don't need that to go to the grocery store or whatever, driving around. Still, you didn't get it. Right? You find yourself an excuse why you didn't get it. So I'm going to delete the excuse. I'm going to get it just to make this cycle full. So now I fulfill that, that, that cycle. Now I can get rid of it if I want to, right? Because I did it. Most importantly, I trained myself that when you dream something, it is in fact possible. Doesn't matter how ridiculous the dream is. It is possible, right? And the most dangerous thing for, for, for anyone is your surrounding telling you that it's not. Because they, you know, A, no, everybody wants you to be successful, just not as, <laughs> not more successful than they are. That's a fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is that. And, you know, and, and they're losing you. You, you. By you succeeding, you become a different person. You're not going to be on the same vibration anymore than they are. So you're pulling away. So they're losing. So it's not, not even necessarily malicious when people tell you like, oh, you can't do that. You can't become. You can't build that. Right? It's not even necessarily malicious. It's somewhat ignorance. Right? Their own reflection of lack of self, uh, what would you call it, trust in themselves. Right? And, and the fact that they're going to be losing you because once you elevate, you know, they, they have to hold their own or you're in a different circle now. A whole right? different thing, yeah, man. You know, and so that's why I, I do all those things. So I think that's powerful. Th that's powerful point you're making, bro, that not many people talk about, which is completing the cycle. You know, because if you if you do make these promises to yourself and then you get to a point and then you don't follow through on the execution of the goal that you actually set out to get, you are definitely reprogramming yourself to think a couple different things. One, that, you know, it's your goals don't get fulfilled. And if your goals don't get fulfilled, how can you set new goals and be enthusiastic about them? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, precisely. Yeah, precisely like, dude, that's a, that's a great fucking point. I mean, look, uh, like... The it's very rare that I hear things for a, in a new way that I'm like, damn, that is fucking good. But yeah. that, I mean, that is awesome, dude. If you think about it, like, you look at, you know, like your mind and what that is, right? You have the most powerful computer known to man at this point. It might change, but at this point, the most powerful computer that is known to man is your mind and and you let it run and it it's not it's unchecked right so there's there's this eastern thought i was massively into you know and still i named the book i read it eastern philosophy right or mesoamerican philosophy but that's kind of my jam and so there's this thought of mindfulness right what mindfulness mean and 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 how you live your way your life mindful and what it really means is that, you know, you know, when you say like, oh, you know what just popped in my mind? Okay, nothing just pops in your mind. Your mind is a, a, a bullet train. It's, you know, there's, there's a thing called a train of thought. The train of thought doesn't stop, right? You were just not aware of what you were thinking. Hmm. So you have this computer running in your head that you're actually not aware of. There is a, because 
the, the structure of we have the body, a mind, and the watcher. That is really you. The, the creature that drives the meat puppet, right? That's, we can call it a soul or whatever we want to call it, right? And and the watcher is has a power that's a programmer that programs the mind and sets the goals and tells you what really to do, which is the true self. The mind is, is separate, right? Because the mind can run around and do, you know, whatever. This is how people get depressed. What what happened? You just let your mind go somewhere and then maybe it went through a threshold. It's almost too late to get it back, right? When, when you say like, oh, something just popped in my mind. Well, where was your mind before? You know, you were not aware of or how many times you drive home and you don't remember the way you drove home. What happened? Like you were totally not aware of that, you, the way you drove home. So your mind was wandering about, right? So this practice of mindfulness is, is really that. It's a spiritual practice where you are watching your mind and what it does, right? And try to gain full control over it, right? That's, I think that is, the, that is a goal in, in life, to, to gain that kind of power, to make, you know, to not let this powerful computer just, just do whatever, right? And what we were talking about right now is, is that, but the mind is learning and it's extremely clever, right? And so, so when you let it run unchecked or you training it certain things, like what we talked about right now, the, 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 the cycle of fulfillment, when you trained it like dream, work hard, but then you didn't get the result or didn't get the, the, what, the, the present on the end of that, you know, you didn't fulfill the dream. Then you just, you, you just train the computer a process that is that is detrimental to your future. Right. You just trained it. Yeah. And you reinforce it every time you don't yeah. follow through. Yeah. 100%. That's right. 100%. Well, man, that's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> you want to dip into the show? Yeah, let's, let's get it. You want right. to cover right. some, uh, do yeah. some cruising? Some crazy shit going on in the world. There's always crazy yeah. shit going on. Man, in the I'm world, trying man. to, I'm trying Bro, to, that was really, that was, watch. that was awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, guys, Remember, if you want to see any of these pictures, articles, links, videos, go to andyforsella.com. You can find them there. Uh, so with that being said, man, let's just get into our first headline. Um, headline number one. Let's cover some of these abates. So we had a, a third GOP debates here. Um, there's some interesting stuff going on there. So let, let's, let's talk about a little bit of that. Um, so this headline reads, Democrat voters side with GOP candidates' messages of strength on border national security. Quote, tired of this. Really? Seems to be a very, uh, some would say wake up. Really? I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> really? Yeah, no, I, dude, I've been doing my yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, bro. Like it, these last two weeks I've been, I've, you know, she's I've been, been switching. Yeah. She's, really? She's been switching. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Democrats surprising reactions to the explosive third GOP primary debate raised eyebrows Thursday as voter dials indicated liberals resonated with messages of strength projected by Republican candidates. Um, so, for example, Ron DeSantis, uh, Republicans gave him an A. Independents gave him a C plus and Democrats gave him a C minus. It's the highest grade he's ever received from Democrats at all. Usually they give us all F's. But um, Tim Scott, um, he talked about the uh, invasion on our southern border and how we had sleeper terrorist cells inside the country. Um, Democrats gave uh, gave him a C. 
the independents gave him a B plus and Republicans gave him an A minus. Um, you got uh, Chris Christie. Uh, he talked about taking down TikTok, removing that from society. Um, shockingly, Democrats gave him an A. Well, that's not shocking. That, that makes sense. Yeah, they because he is a fucking Democrat. He's a Democrat. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I get it. Um, we get Republicans gave him a C. Now, here's the interesting thing because there was some heat coming out of these debates um, that have been going around a little bit. So, one of the first ones I thought this was was interesting. This headline reads: uh, Vivek Ramaswamy slams Ukrainian President Zelensky with Nazi reference. Now, this is in some left leaning news articles. Okay, um, so let's talk about it just a little bit. So. Vivek Ramaswamy slammed Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in blistering remarks at Wednesday's Republican presidential debate, making a Nazi reference and calling Zelensky a, quote, comedian in cargo pants. Uh, during an exchange on uh, about whether he would support sending additional support to Ukraine, Ramaswamy, an aggressive critic of U.S. aid in the war between Ukraine and Russia, said he was, quote, absolutely unpersuaded by Zelensky's call for more help before he launched into a sharply worded broadside uh, against Zelensky and his government. Quote, Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy, Ramaswamy said. Quote, it is threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, the man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. Swami continued, that is not democratic. Um, and the article goes on trying to get him, you know, I don't think what he said was, was outlandish at all. Um, but here was the interesting thing. The article finishes, the last line of the article, it reads, Zelensky, who is Jewish, has said it's great, uh, his great-grandparents were killed when the Nazis set their village on fire during World War II. I thought this was just interesting because obviously there's a lot of interesting things going on in the world um, with picking sides. But this main theme of like anti-Semitism keeps popping up. Um, and I saw this video I thought was super interesting from Matt Gates. Oh, I saw this. Right. Oh, have you, you know, yeah. Matt Gates. Yeah. So, so here, here's the video. Let's watch this real quick. I think it was Dr. Nadell. Is it possible to criticize George Soros without being anti-Semitic? I don't know all the all the tropes that people use to associate with George Soros, but when they talk about a- no, 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 not when they talk about something else. It, it is is criticism against George Soros ever not anti-Semitic? That's the question. Um, Ms. Burdett has offered to answer. No, that. no, 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 but you oh, mentioned yeah. Mr. Soros. I want you to answer. Oh, this so is a, this is, there's no phone a friend here in the Judiciary Committee. <laughs> What, ha what has happened in the United States is that we use different code words. Right, no, I'm not, to, it's not, that's to, not the question. No, I, wait, I'm answering your question. Okay. We use different code words to disguise anti-Semitism. And so Soros has become the code word that replaced Rothschild. But is it possible Shiloh. to criticize him without being anti-Semitic, yes or no? I don't know the context. I'm not going to talk so, without so there's knowing no context. context. That is just an astonishing thing. And, and, and similarly, you said any critique of globalism is anti-Semitic. Now, that really is an Austin Powell. No, what I said was okay. that the word globalist, I didn't say any critique of globalism. Okay. What I said was the word globalist had become the new code word. That's but worse. It's not, or the on, internationalist read, uh, yeah, code it, word from the previous but, period. But it's, you, you ascribe that motive. See, when I criticize globalism, I'm often criticizing the UN, which then in turn goes around and criticizes Israel. 
So if, if critiquing a globalist entity that criticizes Israel is anti-Semitic... So why use the word globalist instead of the UN? Well, because the UN's goals are to have a global order over things that deprive countries of their sovereignty. One of those countries is Israel. So that, that, is, that is the great hypocrisy of what I think is, frankly, a reverse trope, that any criticism of Soros or any criticism of globalism is somehow anti-Semitic. Sometimes they're just criticisms of Soros and of globalism. But I see my time's expired, and I yield back. Yeah, I, I just don't, like, and people can't really explain it. It doesn't matter. What do you mean they can't explain it? It's very easy to explain. These people try to control the language, and they use the language to use their defense system so you can't criticize them for what the fuck they're doing. Mm. That's it's very easy what they're doing. Like he's called. This is what I've been saying for years on this show. Yeah. This 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 situation of, you know, if you criticize me, you're anti-black people, or if you criticize me, you're anti-Jewish, yeah. or you're right. anti-this. Talk about crime, you hate black people. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. this is this is the fact that she's up there saying that these are code words shows you their intent to control the language, and mm -hmm. that there is direct intent to create a certain outcome based upon the words that are used, all right? And so when you say, oh, there, Soros has become a code word for Jews, that's that. so we can't criticize anything this person fucking does? Right. Like that, that's bullshit, all right? And, and dude, so I can't say uh, statistical realities that 13% of black Americans make up 50% plus of the violent crime? How can we solve the problem if we can't speak the actual facts? It doesn't make me a racist to say, hey, we've got a violent crime problem uh, inside the black community. Oh, we do? Well, who's committing it? Oh, we can't talk about it. Right. That makes sense. Or you're, oh, you're just racist. Yeah. This is how problems continue, mm -hmm. right? And these people are very aware of how they use language to defend their positions and then commit crimes against everybody else. And really who should be the most mad about this situation when it comes to anti-Semitism are the regular Jewish people that have no idea that these criminals hide behind them and, 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 and hide their evil crimes and their corruption and the things they do behind anti-Semitic uh, labels. Yeah. When in reality, those crimes that they're committing are hurting the actual Jewish people. And we're seeing it in society right now. Mm -hmm. We're seeing regular Jew people get fucking beat up or, or hit in the head with bricks and shit. And the reason this is happening is not because of, you know, uh, it's not because the, the anti-Semitic people are doing this it's because evil motherfuckers are allowing regular jew people to take the fucking brunt of the evil that they do because they're calling any criticism of their evil anti-semitic okay. so then the people hear that and then they attack regular jewish people does that make sense absolutely absolutely that's how i see it man it's just the language you know the war on language man it's all time have you ever i mean what, what i mean like look this there's an irony to this already because you know like he, he's you know it's already verbal jiu-jitsu you could just easily say that hey can i criticize george soros without you know without connecting to him to any sort of race or you know creed religion yeah i have a problem if i had a problem with what he's doing then i could can i just say hey man this is not cool that is not cool right and then with that doesn't matter who he is where he came from what creed what race whatever right but instead of that it's kind of like a gotcha thing you know what i mean like mm -hmm. the, even these guys sitting in, in in congress or sitting in the house and then they kind of doing verbal judo against each other that we both know that one one set up the other one right yeah. and that like so 
So the communication is already muddy. <laughs> it's not clear because because it became like oh I got you I got you instead yeah. of like okay let's talk about what you know it could have been that simple hey we need to criticize somebody can we just it doesn't matter what race what creed we criticizing what he's doing if you know in this case and um and I think a lot of this this is you know bread and circuses man yeah it's theater mm -hmm. it's theater yeah 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 dude we have to be able to say what the problems are without these racial undertones or attachments or Got, labels. Gotcha yeah, dude. Yeah. Otherwise the problems can't get solved. Yep. And if we really say that we care about these problems, then whenever, like for example, I the, the black crime problem is a problem that I care about because I live in St. Louis, which is one of the highest crime cities in the whole country, okay? When I look at black Americans, I, I don't think of them as black Americans. I just think of them as like fellow Americans, man. Mm -hmm. These are American people. And if we're looking at a group of people and I can point at them and say, hey, we got a crime problem over here with this segment of the people. And I get called racist for pointing that out when in reality, I just want to fucking solve the problem. How can we ever solve the problems? You know what I mean? We have mm -hmm. to be able to say, this is what this is. This is what that is. This is who's doing that without being these these big generalization identity, identity politic labels, man. Yeah. None work. of them, none of this is accidental, you know. Oh, no, uh, for sure. It's not accidental. America is under attack. Um, American democracy, American ideas and ideas are under attack. I mean, this is in a textbook, divide and conquer, man, mm -hmm. you know. So this is financed, you know. These, these, these things are planned and financed. So I think that's the biggest issue that there is a, there's an economic and an ideological ideological war happening, right? Mm -hmm. On and covered war, you know, and there is definitely dollars in uh, is under attack, right? And so most of the things manifest this way, right? A, a unified country is is very difficult to take down. So this is this is as, as I said, textbook, mm -hmm. divide and conquer. This is yeah. this is we are busy with. With some, you know, some with some made up stuff like, for example, racism. You know, that's that. I think is way, way overblown and, oh, and almost artificially created. You for know? sure, it's no doubt. It's 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 definitely something that it looks like a, a psyop, mm. right? I mean, are there racist people? Yeah, yeah, but the date, the, the, every race have racist people. The real know? data supports but, what you're saying. You know, mm -hmm. but but that's definitely not not the majority, and definitely not the vast majority. So we we you know, so this is just amplified to create a division right again divided people are easier to deal with this is this is again textbook america and america ideology and both what this is and economically it is under attack hmm. and and nobody you know if you're not openly talking about what the real problem is you know then this is exactly what's happening we, we're dealing with this gotcha questions who's you know who can get who you know there's a lot of theater to this right mm -hmm. more views and then, more likes more and shares. we're busy with 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 some made up problems and and some problems that are are amplified to look like problems versus what is really going on yeah oh, that's great man um I, guess, I, I agree with you a million percent 100 percent, man. Yeah. um you know and there was a couple other hits i don't know if you guys saw the uh his, his attack on um uh ronald mcdaniel yeah, it was amazing. You see that video? Yeah, it was, it was fucking, amazing. It was fucking great. Yeah, do you yeah. have it? I do have it. Yeah. The only thing, like, I mean, we, we, so we've had Vivek on the show, right? And it's just like, I mean, 
there seems to be like this like resurgence of him because he did disappear for for a little bit. Like I mean, whether it was the polls or it just kind of seemed like he kind of. Well, he's, seems like he's, he's he, coming back out swinging. Look, look, Vivek is a smart dude. Yeah, we we both met him. We spent time with him. Yeah. The guy's smart. He's not dumb. What he's doing is responding to the criticisms of what he he's been played what have been placed on him. Yeah, you know, everybody kept saying to him. He's too polished. He reminds me of a finance politician. He reminds me of a Republican Obama. And you know what? I think he started to realize that was hurting him. Mm. And, you know, he hadn't said this to me or anything, but I'm just making some assumptions from my observation. Sure. Um, what he did last night was go up there and say it. What I think is exactly what's happening and what I think everybody is observing what's happening, which honestly, <clears throat> nobody's saying and he said it in front of the entire world on NBC, which was, you know, that's the liberal audience of the United States. And I, I think he realizes that the only chance he has is to be real and to say the real shit. And he said it. And it was awesome. It was fucking great. Here's the yeah. video, guys. Swami, let me turn to you. Uh, please make your case. Why would you, uh, why should you be He's the nominee pissed. and not the former you president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. Look at that fucking smile. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. Fucking they rigged trash. the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn That's to Governor, Governor Christie. Why you- Won't even answer the question. No, because they're pieces of shit. Won't even answer the question, man. Um, and then just final notes on this. Uh, you know, they've been trying to get Trump off the ballot in a few states. Um, this headline reads, Minnesota Supreme Court dismisses insurrection clause challenge to keep Trump off state's primary ballot. So, yeah, the high court just ruled that, yeah, no, he has to stay on the ballot um, because there is no no claim for their for their calls. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's wrapping up the debate calls, man. Any final thoughts on this topic? I thought Vivek did awesome. I thought he did great. I don't care what anybody thinks about him. I thought he did awesome. That's what needs to be said. That's the real shit. Because even that alone, you mean, whatever. I, honestly, though, like what we really need is a revolution. Yeah. Let's be real. These guys are going to fucking cheat again. Yeah. That's what I think. We got we got to have uh, Zoltan playing that. Uh, that <laughs> meet mon- the monster. Meet, meet the monster when yeah. it happens. That's right. That's going to be. <laughs> meet the monster is going to be a theme song for the revolution. Fucking, yeah. yeah. There's no doubt, man. We're going to be playing that on the speakers <laughs> in my tank. <laughs> the, the, the biggest issue is, you know, you don't see the hands. You don't see the players. That These are not the players. 
mm. right? What you, what you, what again, circus and, you know, this is circus. You don't see the real causes of things. You don't see what is finance and why, you know, you don't actually even see the reasons why things are happening. I mean, the intermedia, it can easily, easily, you know, manipulate the public opinion. That this is, this is a, you know, 21st century media is the dream come true for, you know, people who want to rule the world because it's the easiest thing. Anything can be lied about you and the public will believe it. Nobody will dig deep enough to, to see if it's true or not. We live on headlines, true or not, right? Accepted as fact. So the real problem is that I think the real players are not visible. The real reasons why this is happening is not visible. Even you know, we talk about like say globalism. Like, what is that really about, right? Or the the southern border. Why is it really open, you know? And what countries have what interest, you know? What what is uh you know, what's the situation with Russia and and, and Ukraine really, you know? Uh, like it's you know, can you really put a, a country under embargo when you're still buying oil for them, you know? Right. You know there is. Right. You know that the real the real questions don't really come up, right? So, so the biggest issue is that I think it, it's just simply nobody knows the players. Hmm. Nobody knows what actually is happening. So the only thing you can do is really is is grab onto what you do know, right? Which is your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment that makes sure the first is in place. Fuck right? with, yeah. So you know, <laughs> the, the the Constitution was was created for a reason you know this this is not an accidental you know and it was amended obviously so you know people thought about this right and so so in this chaos i think the only thing you can really do that that you have to look at the the things that you know and can somewhat control as a society right and you have to ensure that like i think the biggest issue is why this is happening is because the first amendment is already eroded Right? Absolutely. That's why nobody can tell the truth how it is. So once people can't tell the truth, what we end up with this circus, this mm. this this hazy idea. Everybody's guessing what's going on because because people are not gonna step out. Even journalists, investigative journalists, are very careful about what they're gonna say and what they're gonna write. I don't even about. think investigative journalists you know? exist anymore. They do, but you know, some of them are dead now. You yeah. know, because they were good. So. That's mm. the game. So, so what the most important part is really that. That's the absolute number one and most important issue is the First Amendment. I should be able to say anything I want, doesn't matter who it upsets, right? And how it makes you feel. Yeah, like fuck That's George Soros. That, whatever you want to say, you should be able yeah. to say that without a punishment, right? And if that is eroded, then the truth slips. And then we end up in the circus. Then nobody can point out like what is re really going. So you, you don't know the facts. Yeah. None of us do. You know, we kind of, you know, and, and if you start digging down now, you are a conspiracy theorist, right? And the difference between like, you know, that joke, the difference between truth and conspiracy is six months. Six months. Right? That's 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 the meme now. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. it's becoming true, right? And and that's, so, you know, as people of, of this country, as people who who believe in this country and believe in what this, the future of this, right? What you have to do is is reinforce and fight for the things you know for a fact and you can fight for. These are conversations that we don't necessarily know. We don't know the hands. We don't know who plays, who pays for what. Mm -hmm. You don't know the, the players. 
There are so many nasty, like it's chess, right? It's chess games and you don't know the players. You don't even know the rules. But the things we know is this. First Amendment and the Second Amendment and the or entire Constitution, really. But the First Amendment is what's slipping. That is the absolute cause of all this. And you cannot really say what you want to say. Can you go right now and tweet something that you really want to tweet? Or X now, whatever is the name of it. Can you really do that? You think twice. You definitely think twice, but I don't know. It, it, it takes courage. Right. You yeah. know, like we're, we're, at the, we're at the cusp, in my opinion, and I agree with what you're saying. Like, let's say between my hands here is the First Amendment, right? Right. And it exists. It's healthy. This is this is how it's supposed to be, and what what I see is the the internet, social media, technology, and cancel culture, political correctness, and a lot of these social initiatives have squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, and we still have a little bit left. Right. And, and to your point, yes, we have to think about it. Right. We hesitate. But we still have enough left that if enough people start to speak up, we can push the gap back to where it needs right. to be. And that's been the message that I've been trying to share for years now. A lot of people hear people on a podcast or on TV or Elon Musk or Joe Rogan or whoever, right? Speak and they think because those guys speak that they don't have to speak. But what they don't realize is that you because you guys are not participating, you're not sharing the message. You're not like I have so many people that tell me, you know, I can't share the show because of so and so like look dude, that you're part of the problem. And I'm not saying share the show, but at least share the message if you believe it. And if we if we don't get everybody to stand up and fill this gap and push it back out, this will collapse and we will have to use our second amendment rights. And and that's how I see it. That's what I've been seeing the whole time. I I think we're still in a in a position where if enough people would just speak up, we could push this back out to where it needs to be. And we do have politicians standing up for free speech. You know, we've got Eric Schmidt here in Missouri, uh, Andrew Bailey here in Missouri that are running the lawsuit that's been accepted by the Supreme Court um, that bans the government from dictating to the social media companies what they can and can't say. And also, uh, I think it has some limitation on Section 230 as well, which, you know, is what allows these companies to do these internal censorings. If you think about it, bro, we haven't had the social media, but for 12, 15 years, and it's a new technology, right? And, and there was never any real rules put in place with that technology, very similar to what the internet uh, e-commerce was when the internet started. You know, a lot of people look at Amazon and they say, holy shit, Amazon, Bezos is a genius. I'm not saying he's not a genius, but he also had 15 years where he didn't have to pay any tax. Okay, so he he's being How much could you grow without that. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're giving a company. I'm just using this as an example of what's going on with free speech. The technology's so new that nobody thought out to how to regulate that technology. And because they became so successful and had so much money, very quickly they were able to pay to keep these regulations from actually happening. And so, like, dude, when I look back at Amazon, because I've been in business, you know, not as long as Amazon, but close to it. You know, I run a retail brick and mortar business that employs real people. All right. And this entire time, um, you know, and then we've expanded into other companies, but that entire time here I am a small main street American trying to grow a business. And these guys back in the day, Amazon didn't compete on, on convenience. They competed on price. And so 
they you could literally order anything off of Amazon back then and it would be 10 to 15% cheaper because they didn't have to collect tax or pay tax. Okay, so they're employing less people because their shit is all automated, all right? Then Main Street America, and then the government is allowing them to have a 10% price advantage over the rest of the economy. And that that now that's changed now. Now they have to collect and all those things. But for 15 years, what kind of gap could you widen out mm-hmm. if you didn't have to pay that extra 10%? Well, the answer is when you look at Amazon, you could see it. A because Be- billion? <laughs> yes, Bezos is a very smart dude. Yeah. He's a brilliant guy. He's built an amazing business. I he he worked within the regulations of the law. I totally get it. Yeah. Totally get it. Not hating on the dude, but what I'm saying is because there was no regulation to to put in place in the beginning to compensate for that, now we have a disproportionate advantage that those companies have over small businesses that I don't really see how can be corrected without deregulation. Like we had deregulation of the phone industry in the 80s, right? Yep, with bail. Right, where they yeah. break it apart. We have monopolies forming because these, these things are not, uh, they were not regulated from the start. And so when we look at free speech, it's very similar. Free speech, these guys were allowed to basically censor on their own platforms. And as they've grown and become bigger and bigger and bigger, they've captured more and more and more of the conversation. And so while while free speech exists outside of social media, where the actual conversations are happening, they're free to censor however they want. And the government's been free to do whatever they want, to dictate to them how they do it. And these guys then on top of that use their own technology like bots and people inside their companies to prop up social narratives that go along with the narratives they believe. I mean, there's no mistake that Mark, why Mark Zuckerberg gave, you know, what was it? Four hundred, I think $400 million to the democratic campaign in 2020. So he reflects those viewpoints inside of the rules of his organization, not the, not the standards of what American culture should be. And the problem becomes when the culture shifts into these technology platforms and they're able to basically operate as a communist country inside these right. platforms. Well, it, it, it certainly looks like it, but you know, a couple of things that, that you were saying. One, yes, yeah. we did not yet reach critical mass yet. So, right. so there is still some free speech and, and, and uh, so there is still some room. Communism could not exist if there was free, free speech. You know, that's just no way. Mm-hmm. That was one of the requisite of, for, you know, any dictatorship can't really exist if there is free speech. So at this moment, we didn't reach critical mass. There is, you know, we still have some room. As for the social media, I think it's not that the social media caused it. It's, it's more like the social media was the first time where sort of everybody kind of had a voice. And then it very quickly became obvious, like, do, do you really have a voice, right? Because right. before that, you know, you had, you had, uh, you know, legacy media. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're not necessarily were aware or many people were not necessarily aware of the operations that was going on, that there is legacy media controlled, right? Because with legacy media before, you know, television, radio, you can, you know, they, whatever they say is the truth, right? And yeah, we don't really know. You don't really know. Yeah. Right. So, but with social media, all of a sudden, instead of controlling, you know, a, a handful of corporations that own that legacy media, now you have to control millions of people. That's mm-hmm. very difficult. Right. And so then the social media was uh, that kind of some somehow blew the lid off of these things because obviously everybody immediately started, you know, tell their truth. Mm. And then the information and a lot of information is now out there. Right? Yeah. And so in that moment, what are you going to do? You have to control the 
companies that control the platform. Yep. So when we're talking about, you know, again, I don't want to get into too much in a conspiracy theory, but no, let's just, do it. <laughs> just, but just for the, you know, just for the conversation's sake, right? So we, we, we view, for example, like, you know, let's say Facebook or Zuckerberg does this and that. Okay. Mm. Well, that's one guy with a family that is this easy to threaten. You don't know what, how he really feels. How do you know that he wasn't threatened? Well, you see that Not too. Only that. No, I mean, bro, or blackmail. Go back to 2000. I think that's how they yeah. control all these people. So well, that's, I, I think that's kind of my the, point. Like, yeah, Facebook stuff's know? a little different. Go back to 2004. Did you know that there was the the CIA operation Life Life Log? Mm-hmm. Or uh, what, what, what? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called, Life Log. Life, and the, the Life very Log. next day after they stopped it, Facebook started. Right, right. So but that, that's what I mean. Like again, we don't see the hands. We don't yeah. see the, the. Well, you can kind of see that from Zuckerberg you know? too, brother. Like when you watch him, watch what he's doing now. Like when I, because dude, you're an observer of people. I'm right. an observer of people. You know, when I when I watch Zuckerberg for the, you know, the outside of the last two years, okay, say, yeah, the last his whole life up yeah. until the last two years, he's just a computer nerd, tech geek, like billionaire, right? He's he's fucking Mark Zuckerberg. Now, all of a sudden, like people have started to identify the damage that has been done by his platforms and they really fucking started hating him. And then you see him come out on Rogan and he does that interview with Joe Rogan where he's like, yeah, man, the FBI called us, dude, and they told us to do this and this and this. And, and then now, now all of a sudden he's into jujitsu and he's doing all this. Like these are things that you would do to kind of show the world more of yourself. And like he can't come out and be like, guys, I actually agree with you. They're threatening me or they're blackmailing me. He can't do that. But what he can do is he can show sides of himself that make him seem more human and more real. And and one thing that, you know, I have empathy for any human. I mean, dude, like this guy was a billionaire at 23 years old. How the fuck do you even deal with that? Like that's a hard... That's a hard thing for people. Think of all the success that you've had, and think of having that at nineteen or twenty years right. old, right? Like that, and and then multiply it times billions of dollars. Like that's a bit. That's a lot of shit to sh- to shoulder, man. Mm-hmm. As a young man, and you're highly like, dude. You know how many times in my my journey of life I've been taken advantage of by people who I thought were there to help me. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, I could make the. I mean, you've seen it. The, the list is a m- fucking hundred miles long. This is why I stay at home. Santa's list. Right? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, like, it's, it's, if you, if you want to go for a conspiracy, I mean, like, look, you know, whatever I'm going to say going to be used and against me and twisted into different headlines. So I, I have, to be, I have I to be very you. careful, but I might put on the, the, the head myself. <laughs> but look, here's, here, here's the thing. Like, because again, we don't know, we don't know the hands. We don't know the players, right? But if you think about it, the, the backbone of America the, the reason that this, this economy, this, this society exists the way it exists is because there are millions of millions of businesses holding this economy up, right? So, and then you start looking like what's happening lately. All these small businesses, we don't have to even get into it. We all know what we're talking about. These All these small businesses were taken out and mm-hmm. disappeared and restaurants closed. And, you know, so if the backbone of America, which is millions of people who have their private sector, holding it up if that private sector disappears what's left you're going to have the walmarts the amazons that the big ones right that means only a handful of companies exist now right if the middle america and uh the private business owner goes away and everything is consolidated out of a sudden you have let's say a hundred companies now running this country i can myself alone i can threat a hundred people Right. So if you can, you know, you can threaten a million American business owners, 
But if there is this, if this is boiled down to just a hundred companies, no, right, I agree. Then with you. you can go to every single one of those company owners and say, "You're gonna do this now, or else." Yeah. Right? You control the country. Yeah. So if I want to be a conspiracy theorist, no, that's I was. That's not a conspiracy. This, that's no, a I'm conspiracy. Just like, yeah. If I was, you know, if I was a, if I had, you know, aspiration to become some kind of a warlord or, a, you know, what I mean, to take over a country, that's how I would do it. Right then I have to consolidate the powers to small groups that I can control. I can't control millions. I can control the and something million people, right? And millions of businesses. But if we knock out the backbone and it's only a few companies, right? How many social media platforms are there? 10? Yeah. That matters, yeah. right? How do you know that Jack Dorsey, you don't know anything about Jack Dorsey, right? He was the head of Twitter, right? You don't know who the guy is, how he feels like. You don't know, was he threatened? Did he have to do what he did? Or was it his, you know? Was it well, I can tell you, I can tell you, you this. Don't know. You don't know yeah. that. That's what I mean. Like, we don't see the hands. Yeah. Well, what I, here's what I would do if I was going to take over a country. I would invent a virus that was pretty benign, and I would get all the businesses to close. And I would allow the, my friends' businesses, the ones that are important, to stay open. Okay? And then I would destroy those businesses. And then before I destroyed those businesses... I would come up with a little operation where, you know, I found this really rich dude who was like good looking and like very famous and had his own island. And then I would like go around to these people and I would invite them to my island. And then when they came to my island, I would have underage girls serve them drinks and hang out with them and do whatever they want. And I would videotape all of it, right? And then what I would do is after they left the island, I would call them back up and I would send them a little video of what they did on the island. And I would say, guess what? You're going to do what I say. And then when the public caught on to what's going on with the island, I would never, ever, ever release the names. And I would start wars and start division and create problems so that people forgot about this thing. That's what I would do. Right. Again, that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know the hands. That's what a like, crazy like, right, idea. Right, yeah. now, you know, right now, like most people are going to go like, oh, that's crazy conspiracy, right? But there are how many, you know, like Operation Mockingbird that was mm -hmm. denied. It, it, it did exist, right? MKUltra was denied. It did exist. Yes. You know? Paper so all those things. Paper, Operation paper, all Truth. these existed. Yeah. So, you know, and here's the thing. That's just America. Yeah. You have no idea what's happening on the, on the world scale dude i talked to global some scale i talked to some high level dudes that i know from three letter agencies that are out of the three letter agencies i'm not gonna say who but they flat out you were there mm -hmm. flat out told me and him to our fucking face that the reason that epstein island is not being known public is because they have more of them and that's how they use them to extract information from other from the assets of other countries right like he just straight up to our face, fucking told us that. That's and, just and this, one, and that's those are two dudes that fucking know. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, you you never you never know the names. You never yeah. know who is, who are the people who really own this planet and who run the show. Yeah, you'll never know. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, jump in on the comments. Let us know what you guys think about this conversation so far. Uh, use hashtag Round Three Fight. And let us know down in the comments. So, uh, with that being said, man, let's keep this show moving. Another number two reads, broken borders, AP and Reuters, pictures of Hamas atrocities raise ethical questions. Now, this is something that's been trending. It's, it's, 
Very, very interesting. Let's dive into it and uh, let's see what we got on this. So th this is from the Honesty Project, okay, or Honest Reporting, okay. Put this article out. Um, it says, on October 7th, Hamas terrorists were not the only ones who documented the war crimes they had committed during their deadly rampage across southern Israel. Some of their atrocities were captured by Gaza-based photojournalists working for the Associated Press and Reuters news agencies who early morning presence at the breached border area raised serious ethical concerns. What were they doing there so early on what would ordinarily have been a quiet Saturday morning? Was it coordinated with Hamas? Did the respectable wire services, which published their photos, approve of their presence inside enemy territory together with the terrorist infiltrators? Did the photojournalists who freelance for other medias like CNN and the New York Times notify these outlets? Judging from the pictures of lynchings, kidnappings and storming of an Israeli kibbutz, uh, it seems like the border has been breached not only physically, but also journalistically. Um, and so they've been putting out this stuff, right? Uh, and so they send the four names appear on AP's photo credits from the Israel-Gaza border area on October 7th. Hassan uh, Islaya, Yusuf Masood, Ali Mahmoud, and Hatim Ali, right? And these are some of the pictures. We've all seen these pictures going around. How did these journalists, how were they there the very moment this thing kicked off? Inside of enemy lines. That's the big question that honest reporting went after and sought after. Um, and so the Internet's on fire right now with all of this. Um, Honest Reporting has obtained screenshots of Elzliah's now removed tweets on X in which he documented itself standing in front of the Israeli tank. He did not wear a press vest or a helmet. Um, and the Arabic caption of his tweet read, quote, live from inside the Gaza Strip settlements. Now, shortly after the publication of this article, uh, the article continues, says we were alerted to footage of Hassan Islaya next to Israeli's tank. In addition, a photo has surfaced showing Islaya with Hamas leader and mastermind of the October 7th massacre, Yahya Sinwar. Here's the tweet of that. So this guy is a freelance journalist who works mostly for AP News, um, Reuters, CNN, New York Times. And here he is taking a picture, you know, with the leader of Hamas kissing him on the cheek. Um, so this is going around. Netanyahu jumped in on this conversation. Um, Netanyahu demands answers from CNN, New York Times, AP, Reuters on embedded Hamas photographers. In a statement, the National Public Dem Diplomacy D uh, Directorate of the Prime Minister's Office demanded action by news agencies. They said, quote, the National Public Diplomacy Directorate in the Prime Minister's Office views with utmost gravity that photojournalists working with international media joined in covering the brutal acts of murder perpetuated by Hamas terrorists on Saturday, October 7th in the communities adjacent to the Gaza Strip. These journalists were accomplices in crimes against humanity. Their actions were contrary uh, to professional ethics. Overnight, the government press office issued an urgent letter to the bureau chiefs of the media organizations that employed these photographers and sought clarifications on the matter. Um, now, of course, the AP News, they had no knowledge of any of it. Um, Reuters jumped in on the same conclusion, um, and no one else at this time of recording has responded on it. We got anything on this? Yeah. I mean, look, without defending any sides, um, one of the most famous picture in the world is um, in 1962, Tikhwan Duke is a, a monk 
emulated himself, right? It's a very famous photo. Everybody seen it probably, right? It's on a, isn't it on the cover of Rage Against the Machine? It was, yeah. but it was it was a very famous photo. It was on every you know uh, newspaper at the time. Very very famous, right? In fact, I think um, was the reason that the, I think, Kennedy uh, uh, passed some some kind of an international. Uh, wasn't a law, but sort of an ask about human rights or, mm-hmm. or something like that happened because of this picture. But, you know, a lot of t- people, journalists took pictures of this event, right? Now, um, why he did it and what this monk did is, is, is a whole different discussion and we could get into it another time. So do you think that the journalists that show up to take picture of this event knew what was about to happen? They were not told. Right, so yeah, I'm not defending anything here. I mm-hmm. definitely want to stay away from that. But is it a possibility that somebody just told these journalists, like, "Hey, be here," some you know, some respected or or a higher ranking officer or person in this, you know, organization in Hamas told them, like, "Hey, be here because there's something important we want to tell you," and they would be there. Yeah, there could be a million things. Right. Mm-hmm. So it can be. That's what I mean. So it's a, before before anybody jumps to conclusion, that's what I mean. Like we never see the hand. Yeah. Who's doing what and why? So, so just like when in 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 the in the case of the emulation, there were the journalists. They had no idea what was about to happen. They were told to come here. Something important is going to happen, and there was the emulation. Would wouldn't they try to stop that? Or you know, they had no idea. So, you know, this is this is this is the problem with the world. Everybody's jumping to conclusion, and unfortunately, we just don't know the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So these journalists maybe just were told like, "Hey, be here. Something important is going to go down," and they were there. They probably didn't know what was actually is, what is happen. actually going to sure. happen. So there's, that's one possibility. Now you know there's obviously other possibilities. Were they cohorts in this? Maybe, but we don't know that, right? But there's just that other side. Like I learned this now, <laughs> you know, in in life that that so many times what you're looking at, most of the times what you're looking at is not actually what is happening. Mm. It's it's most of the things are theater and. And you don't see the hands, you don't see the lines, you don't see the powers that, you know, the makers and the movers, you don't see them, mm. right? So, you know, so there is that explanation that could have happened, that these guys were just told, be here, something important is going to go down, and they had no idea what what that was. That's one possibility. Yeah, it's also a possibility that, you know, Netanyahu ignored calls from Egypt telling them that there was an imminent Hamas attack for 10 days before it actually happened in the most secure border of any country in the world. And that's possible too. I mean, right. there's, I mean, no. we don't know. And there isn't enough information here to fucking say so definitively. No. But it is, it's, uh, it is weird to see like real press like right there as they're like fucking killing people. I mean, dude, they're at the, like there, I mean, there's some of these pictures, they're literally at the gate. Yeah. yeah. Like moments before it gets going. Yeah. Yeah, there's not enough information to know here. I mean, I still want to know how they were informed by multiple different information sources prior to the actual attack and these people were allowed to hang glide in. Like I would I would I'm more interested in that answer. Yeah. Yeah, do you see the journalists there's a, there's a weird, you know, there's a weird blurred line there, you know, when mm-hmm. I mean morality and mm-hmm. their job. It's really really bizarre. Like if you look at, you know, if you look at the guys who are shooting, I don't know, National Geographic, right, and then animals suffer and die in front of them, and they don't interfere, 
because they look at I'm a journalist and this is nature and it will happen the way it happened. And there was that very famous picture of a, a low African kid that was really thin and and ended up dying of, of starvation, right? And the journalist who took the picture of this kid won, won some massive awards and in the, eventually ended up committing suicide because like, bro, you were right there. And you didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So you're taking a picture. Give mm-hmm. So are, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. so. So if if somebody falls in the water, are you going to jump and pull them out or take pictures? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this, you know, so journalists have a really bizarre position in the world because you know, are you telling the story or are you, you mm-hmm. know, interfering? And so, or are you part of the story? So are you part of the story? So so this, you know, they they've been taught their whole career that you you're not the story. Just record the story, and then somehow in there, it's a possibility that morality slips. Mm. That yeah. you forget that hey, mm. hey, hey, you know, you could have saved this kid, you could have saved yeah. that animal, you could have pulled that guy out of the water, you could have interfered, and and for some weird reason, you something in your head was misaligned, and and you were concentrating on your job and forgot which one is more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so there are, there is that too. Yeah. Like there's a no, weird. That's a great point. You know. Man. That's There's a, a weird, point. you know, alignment with in, in with journalists, like how they see the world. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, let us know what you think on that topic. Jump in on that conversation. Yeah, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Yeah. I am curious. So let us know for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, that being said, let's get to our third and final headline. Headline number three. Headline number three reads, House GOP subpoenas Hunter Biden in impeachment inquiry. It, it finally came. It's here. Yeah. Um, So House Republicans have subpoenaed Hunter and James Biden, the son and brother of the president, a dramatic escalation of their impeachment inquiry. Oversight Committee Chair James Comer on Wednesday issued the legal demand that the two Bidens appear for closed door interviews with his panel. Comer also subpoenaed Rob Walker, a Hunter Biden business associate, and requested voluntary interviews with five other people, such as Sarah Biden, who is James Biden's wife, and Haley Biden, the widow of the president's late son, Beau Biden. It's the first time House Republicans have directly tried to compel testimony from members of the Biden family as part of their months-long investigation, which former Speaker Kevin McCarthy escalated to an impeachment inquiry in September. While Comer has previously held closed-door interviews with Hunter Biden business associates, much of his investigation so far has focused on gathering and analyzing bank records. Um, So uh, Comer's demanding that Walker appear behind closed doors with the panel on November 29th, James Biden on December 6th, and Hunter Biden on December 13th, according to copies of the subpoenas. Um, And Comer's suggested he's willing to try to hold anyone who doesn't comply with the summons in contempt. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, so his lawyers, uh, Hunter Biden's lawyers, they agreed to it, but it's it's a little it's a little weird. So they made this statement. They said um, uh, this is from Ab Low, uh, Lowell, one of uh, Hunter Biden's attorneys. He says, "Quote: This is yet another political stunt aimed at distracting from the glaring failure of Representative Comer and his MAGA allies to prove a single one of their wild and now discredited conspiracies about the Biden family." Nevertheless. Uh, Hunter is eager to have the opportunity in a public forum and at the right time to discuss these matters with the committee, Lowell said. But it's weird because it's like, you know, they're saying one thing, but then there's they're doing other things behind. So we, we got this that came out. White House, you know, obviously they're going to try to smash it down. Uh, the White House immediately objected on Wednesday to House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer issuing subpoenas for the Biden family. 
um, to testify under oath in December, calling the subpoenas, quote, nasty personal smears. Uh, so this guy, one of our favorite guys, this is uh, Ian Sams, uh, who in his ex-bio says that he's a White House spokesman for oversight and investigations, okay? Um, so he responded to this tweet um, where, where this person tweeted out, Amy Grayer said, as I sco- scoped the subpoenas to Biden family were coming today, here is the full list of subpoenas, right? And it reads off all the names. He responded this. He says, quote, Haley Biden is the widow of the president's deceased son, Bo. Elizabeth uh, Secundi is her sister. Melissa Cohen is the president's daughter-in-law. They're all private citizens. He won't be. But Comer should be ashamed of desperately resorting to nasty personal smears like this. And I just, you know, I remember when they put family on, on trial and there was no issues with that. On committee cabinets. You know, like they did Trump's family and Trump's daughter. They're still doing it. They're still doing it. Yeah. Is that a nasty personal smear? Right? Like, I mean, maybe it's just both sides. But here's the No, it's thing. not both sides. It's these fucking people think that they can do whatever the fuck they want and- then when someone else does it to them, it's a fucking it's a travesty. Problem. It's a problem. It's the problem, dude. It's the problem with victim culture a- as a whole in this country right now. It's okay. It's cool if I. Do it's it. cool for me to call yeah, right. you every name in the book, but when you call me, it's abuse. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. right. Safe space. Right. Yeah. Uh, but here's the weird thing. So you know that that Hunter's attorney made that statement, but at the same exact time he made that statement, apparently he wrote a 12-page letter. Uh, to the new Speaker of the House to ask him to back off. I, I, it, it, that doesn't scream desperation. Doesn't scream desperation. Yeah, we'll totally do it. Please don't make us do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the words that he used, too, were very interesting. So in a 12-page letter dated Wednesday, lawyer Ab Lowell asked Johnson to use his, quote, newly minted leadership post responsibly and to, quote, think twice about stoking the spectacle taking place on Capitol Hill over the past year. Now, I'm not one. I'm not a lawyer, but I mean that does, that sounds like a fucking mafia threat almost. I mean, you're telling people to think twice. I mean, I mean that's what you're dealing with. That, that is exactly that's what, what we've you're been talking with. about. We've yeah. been talking about people that are willing to do whatever they want at whatever expense, threaten whoever they want, blackmail whoever they want, do whatever they want. This is why when I continue to say, like they're not going to let anybody else take power from here on out. Because these people have committed such grievous crimes that they know they'll be held responsible. So when you know that your ass is on the line, what are you not willing to do to stay in power? You're willing to do whatever it takes. That includes blackmail. That includes threatening. That includes murder. That includes anything. That includes burning the fucking country to the ground. That includes creating a COVID fucking pandemic. And actually, you know, I mean, dude, listen, nothing's off the table. I... I've been saying this for for years. I don't think that they plan. I think they're getting they're coming to the conclusion that the only way that they can, can maintain power and escape accountability is by somehow creating a situation that's so bad that we don't even have elections. That's my personal opinion. Mm. So, yeah. which is war. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, if if we get into a war, then right. Yeah. And you see that happening over in Ukraine right now. Right. It's, it's like Zelensky saying this is no time for elections. They're going to pull the same play here, dude. It's exactly what, what, what you said. It's like personal, you know, a lot of personal mm-hmm. things are going on. It's war, right? It's basically a, a, a political, personal chess game being played out in front of the people. And um, nothing's off the table. 
This is about real power, you know. And uh, if that tail has to wag the dog, then that's what's going to happen. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, jump in on this conversation. Let us know what you guys think down in the comments. Hashtag, please don't make me. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, so that being said, man, so that was our third and final headline. It's time for a final segment of the show. As always, we have thumbs up or dumb as fuck. This is a great one. We got to go down south, Andy. We're heading to Florida. All right. All right. Florida's my favorite place. Florida. Hey, listen, I think we, we, we're actually got to go there. Huh? We got to go there. We are Florida men, but from Missouri. <laughs> yeah. So it's just not crocodiles. It's like pit bulls and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And little snakes. Right. Well. Yeah, right. <laughs> so our thumbs up or dumbest fuck headline reads, first ever Florida Man Games will feature beer belly wrestling and evading arrest obstacle course. This is a real fucking thing. Oh, I mean, dude, we could do the evading arrest obstacle course right here in St. Louis. <laughs> That's where you should come to train. That's where you guys should come train, bro. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the real thing. So so it ain't the uh, this AP article reading, it ain't the Olympics, but a group of Floridians plan to host competitions themed according uh, to the collective antics of the beer-loving, gator-possessing, rap-sheet-heavy, mullet-wearing social media phenomenon known as Florida Man. Uh, organizers of the Florida Man Games describe the competition as, quote, the most insane athletic showdown on earth. Uh, that's a hell of a statement. Uh, the games will poke fun at Florida's reputation for producing strange news stories involving guns, drugs, booze, and reptiles, or some combination of the four. Uh, among the contests planned for uh, next February in St. Augustine, Florida, according to organizers, are the evading arrest obstacle course in which contestants jump over fences and through yards while being chased by real police officers. Uh, the Category 5 cash grab in which participants try to grab as much money in a wind-blowing booth. And the self-explanatory beer belly wrestling. Quote, this isn't just a competition. It's a one-of-a-kind Floridian spectacle, organizers said of the games. The Florida Man concept crept into the nation's consciousness a decade ago with the at underscore Florida Man Twitter account. The account, with the tagline, real life stories from the world's worst superhero, has been home to headlines such as, quote, Florida Man firebombs garage that impounded his car, hits his own vehicle, uh, and, quote, Florida Man tried to pay for McDonald's with weed. Um, now, a, tickets are 45 bucks. That's a fair trade. What's that? McDonald's for weed? Oh, 100%. I'd give you McDonald's for weed all day. Yeah. I'd give you weed for McDonald's. Well, fucking, we got a deal, bro. <laughs> this is capitalism. <laughs> that's nice how this deal. works. But yeah, so, so tickets are 45 bucks. Apparently, they got two uh, former American gladiators are serving as referees. Um, and uh, it's supposed to be a pretty, pretty big deal. This is their logo. It's actually a pretty sweet logo. Um, they have a mullet contest, which I didn't even know. I, I guess that's a Florida thing. I, guess. I mean, I wish we would have known ahead of time because we could have like grown some good mullets. Yeah, well, I can't do shit, bro. Yeah, well, I can. <laughs> I ain't got it. Yeah. I can't help you on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, Beer Belly Florida Sumo Wrestling. I... <laughs> Joe said he'd be good at that one. No, he said I'd be good at that one. I know. You, oh. not me. Oh. Mm. He said he'd be good at that one. Motherfucker. Um, gator wrestling, all this other shit, man. Andy, what, guys, I mean, what we got on this? I, I really want to see the qualifiers. Like, how, how, how do you select? You know what I mean? Like, it's like state prison or how do you, you know, what's your talent pool? Where are they coming from? All I know is Natty Light like is involved. It's both, it's both dumb as fuck and, yeah. <laughs> and thumbs up. And awesome. That's right. It's both. 
It is both. That's what makes it awesome. Yeah. The dumbest fuck factor yeah. makes it thumbs up. We gotta go. Huh? We gotta go. Oh yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm like thirty percent. No way I would go. Thirty percent. I gotta go. Thirty percent. I gotta compete. Man. <laughs> yeah. They they left out the sand snorting contest. You know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Shit. They're no doing shit. something. Yeah. They're doing wow. something. Wow. Yeah. So so a little bit of both. Yeah. Thumbs yeah. Up and dumb as fuck. It's I both. agree. I agree. Yeah. Guys, Andy, Zoltan, that's all I got. Yeah. Zoltan, thanks so much for coming yeah, on the show, too, man. man. This has been awesome. Next time you guys come through the area, you got to come back on. I will. Yeah. Bring my, uh, bring my little hat. Yeah. Thin foil hat. That's right. And we can <laughs> See, that's what the hat's for. If you say it with the hat on, nobody can yeah, say anything. Right, right. I yeah. should have, you know. <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> like, I think it works for your pineapple too, bro. Right. It hides it. You yeah, know? that's it's right. Like I just put my antennas <laughs> right in there <laughs> and then we can go. All right. Well, Absolutely. thanks so much, bro. Absolutely. Great conversation. I'm so happy that you came on. All right, guys. That's the show. Don't forget to pay the fee. Don't be a hoe. Share the show. Yeah. Went from sleeping on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl. Fuck a stove. Counted millions in the cold. Bad bitch. Booted swole. Got her on bankroll. Can't fold. That's a no.